This is a Macquarie Group podcast. So hello and welcome to Macquarie's Perspectives podcast, where our diverse team of experts and invited special guests share their latest thinking on current and emerging topics. I'm Laura Bramwell and I'm part of Macquarie's corporate affairs team. So the rise of the Internet of Things, the connection of physical objects with technologies that monitor, collect, report on and respond to data, has opened up new ways for organisations to increase transparency, improve efficiencies and to better serve their customers by making greater use of real-time data and analytics. Commodities is one area making use of this type of technology, and it's one where real-time monitoring and measurement of inventories across a range of industries such as mining, oil and gas, transport and agriculture is providing new opportunities for businesses to increase transparency, mitigate theft and fraud, optimise operations involved in commodity trading and management and reduce their carbon emissions. Veradapt is a global industrial internet of things and fintech business, developing hardware and software solutions that bridge the physical and the digital. And it's these solutions that are helping its clients to efficiently measure and monitor commodity inventories, mitigate operational risk and achieve decarbonisation ambitions. So today I'm happy to be joined by David Thumbritnam, Veradapt CEO, and Sean Birrell, its Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder. So David and Sean recently joined us at the Macquarie Technology Summit, and I'm pleased they've joined me today to continue that discussion. Hello to you both, and thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So Sean, I thought I'd start with you, if that's okay. So in this conversation, we really want to explore the intersection between commodities and technology, which perhaps you wouldn't necessarily think go together, but that's essentially what you've built this business on. Um, so can you tell us a bit about why technology is crucial for these businesses that are generating, transporting, or perhaps financing commodities? Uh, yeah, sure. And look, I think we all understand that many of the best applications of technology are those that solve a real problem in a, a new or a better way. And I think that the commodity industry, it's got many unique challenges um, from the need to measure and quantify production, manage supply chains, critical inputs, fulfill contracts, um, or manage risks. Uh, there's, there's many, many uh, aspects of the commodity industry that could benefit um, or, or could benefit from real-time data. And, and all these needs occur in an environment that might be very remote. Uh, it could experience harsh weather. It could have difficulty in accessing labor, particularly skilled labor. Um, and in some instances, it could also be an industry that is potentially battling very low margins. And so we say within this business that the commodities market is a very target-rich one when it comes to addressing challenges and technology solutions can often be often be the answer and giving real-time visibility to a supply chain to minimize stockouts or critical inputs um, for example fuel um, or you know reducing risk of theft through remote monitoring control of a facility um, or solving difficult quality and quantity measurement challenges for operational needs they're all really important use cases and I think one of the most exciting new use cases uh, using technology is to also enable new business models um, or improvements in access to working capital. And technology can be a real part of that solution as well. Um, an example would be the, the very first project that we helped uh, the team at Macquarie with. Um, it was a monitoring project in the Arctic Circle uh, to help enable a repo deal. In this case, you've got challenges of uh, extreme remoteness, um, an incredibly harsh environment with it being sort of minus 30 and dark for, for much of the winter, um, incredibly high cost to attend site. Um, and there's no realistic 
way to provide real-time visibility or control those inventories in that circumstance without some sort of technology solution. And, and we feel that the technology that, that Veridap was able to provide in that instance was a real enabler to that transaction. And I think that that type of deployment is really the best illustration of technology and commodities intersecting. I think you solve a real customer need and one that would be very challenging or impossible to solve any other way. Um, and I also believe that there's many more opportunities to help and improve the commodities industry to come, you know, utilizing technology in this way as well. Yeah, it's amazing how you applied technology to that to that example. Um, and I want to stay on this technology theme to ask you, David, about the Internet of Things, which is really about using real-time technology to support businesses making decisions and, uh, as Sean just said, overcoming challenges. How has the Internet of Things changed the way commodities specifically are used and managed? Yeah, and no, thanks, Laura. Um, you know, look, Sean just covered a lot about the rise of the technology and its application, and it's it's very, very true. You can use technology for all kinds of things, but it really adds the most value when you actually solve a real problem. And if you look at the commodity space, you know, as Sean said, the world's been producing, transporting, storing, managing commodities for centuries, you know, millennia probably. And the critical problem associated with these is not really changed. Do you know where your commodities are? Can you secure supply? Can you produce what you need to produce? Do you have line of sight of your commodities? Who's got custody? Where are? Where is it right now? How do I protect from theft and fraud? Um, how do I protect quality? These problems haven't really gone away. And you know, I think as technology has uh, increased and you see it being deployed into commodities, people are solving these problems better. But in the last 10, 15 years, many technologies are actually helping to really level that playing field and bring about more transparency into the commodities world. So IOTS you brought up is a really good example. It's a prominent technology. And today it's not unrealistic to expect real-time or semi-real-time visibility of your quantity, your quality, or even the location of your commodities. So this is something that would seem mystical or magical to 20 years ago, but today you should expect it. And there is no large-scale operating producer or logistics company that would not know these things. Um, so the technology has gotten to the point where it is scalable, it's relatively low cost, and as a result, we see increasing amount of infrastructure and commodities being monitored and managed using this technology. So what this really does, it does a few things. Um, it allows for quicker decision making. So if your time to know the source of truth is much quicker, you can make much more responsive decisions in response to market demands or changing conditions or weather. And so because of that, you're able to be much more responsive to events and you can optimize your outputs and your production. Um, if you know exactly where your commodities are or and how much is in storage, you can be readily aware if there's a fraud event or a misappropriation event and you can reduce your first loss exposure. So just having that ready accessible accessible information already makes a massive difference. But the real benefit actually comes when you go beyond what humans can do with data. So if you consider a lot of IoT deployments would be having thousands or ten thousands of data points with data coming in. And at a certain point, there's only so much a human can do to monitor such a system. There's only so much data we can cope with. But this is where you use artificial intelligence and you actually start to deploy this to automatically manage and monitor inventories and operations. And that's when you correlate multiple sources of data to make better decisions. And so that can sound a bit arcane, but um, a couple of really simple examples. A farmer um, you know, who might have hectares of land and crops, um, and they make decisions on, for example, watering or pesticides at a, mac at a macro level across entire fields. But now with AI and IoT, 
they can actually determine exactly which part of the farm or even which stalks to water based on soil moisture level, wind and weather patterns, and actually make dynamic decisions to optimize production of that particular area. So therefore they can reduce their overall water costs, for example, and optimize the production and output off their farm. And so we see there's no secret that a lot of these technologies are what is enabling farming agricultural output to increase um, an order of magnitude compared to 30 years ago. And so these kinds of technologies are what enable uh, really quick decision making and also more autonomous decision making. Another really good example that you see quite commonly today, uh, a producer could optimize the purchase of inputs such as say diesel. And they can do that based on real-time monitoring of what the inventory levels are. They can use artificial intelligence to look at their production schedules and to look at spot prices and to look at logistics and basically make decisions on when to purchase. And so when you're talking about billions of dollars of transactions, these optimizations actually can be quite material. And this happens when you combine artificial intelligence and IoT, and that's truly what this technology brings. So in a nutshell, it's quicker, better decisions, more optimal outcomes about the commodity space. And this really lines up perfectly with our vision, which is to lead the digital revolution to full transparency across commodities for a secure and sustainable future. Thanks, David. I think those examples really bring to life the impact that this technology can actually have in the sector. Um, and I want to pick out something you talked about there around this visibility gap that exists between a commodity being mined or produced and then its end usage. And technology-based solutions such as yours are really closing that gap. So, Sean, maybe for you, how does greater transparency and the traceability of data impact sectors, say, like energy and agriculture and ultimately impact your customer and, I guess, the end user? Yeah, look, there's increased demand for transparency and traceability across all commodities from all sides. You know, that could be regulatory requirements. It can be demand from end consumers um, or it can be internal demands as operations uh, sort of battle to become ever more efficient. And I think you can also add to that there's this increasing focus on ESG concerns across all industries again and particularly commodities. Um, and it creates a really acute need for this transparency and traceability that we're talking about. Um, commodity supply chains obviously have very material environmental factors to consider, um, whether that be in the production of the commodity itself, uh, the methods used to grow or extract or process that commodity, um, but it can also be related to the emissions related to the transportation of that commodity. They can be very significant as well. I think then you look on the social side, um, you'll see this is where there's a lot of focus on, on provenance, you know, which is really about transparency and traceability. And that can be from other participants in the supply chain that are wanting to ensure that their supply chain is, is well understood by them. Uh, you know, it's ethically sourced, et cetera. Um, but it can also be um, demanded by the end consumer. Uh, there's an increasing demand to know that our products have not only been sustainably sourced, but also ethically sourced. And, and we'd all be familiar with those um, sort of fair trade initiatives that you see in, in many products on the supermarket shelves. But there's dozens and dozens of different initiatives uh, with different goals being rolled out globally. And so again, there's, there's increased demand. Uh, and then finally, I think if you look at the governance side of the ESG equation, and, and we think a lot about ESG concerns of our customers, is that having an effective, um, transparent and traceable uh, supply chain is very important um, alongside controls. And if you have, for example, things like unchecked theft and fraud, well, that's clearly a failure of governance. But also, if you're making claims as to the carbon intensity of your operation, uh, if you're looking to offset some of the carbon emissions related to your commodity, uh, or there any other attribute of the supply chain that really requires um, some sort of validated and robust measurement, 
there's clearly a need for high quality and reliable data. And so I think you can see that supply chains are only are going to have to only become more transparent. And I think this clearly adds a burden to our customers. This doesn't come for free in terms of effort and, and investment. Uh, and technology solutions that can facilitate this transparency and traceability at scale are definitely going to be part of that solution. So I guess something that sits at the heart of that is really this, this data piece. And we know that there are many variables that can affect the price of commodities. And that's relevant right now because commodity market is experiencing a lot of volatility. Do you think increased amounts of real-time data could help stabilize some of those market swings that we're seeing, Sean? Yeah, I think that's a really, really interesting question. Um, and I think it ultimately comes down to the adoption model of this technology, um, how it's used, and if in the future, how and when that data is, is shared or made available. And, and we're certainly not you know, at that place at the moment. Um, I think you can see where real-time data is having um, sort of pricing or market moving implications. Uh, one example would be there's a number of platforms that provide market intelligence reports on inventory levels at major storage facilities, um, you know, energy storage facilities, and they use satellite imagery or drone imagery uh, to essentially <laughs> spy on inventory levels. Um, and this can give an edge to traders, but as that information becomes more ubiquitous, that, that edge starts to disappear. And I definitely don't think you could argue that it has reduced pricing volatility at all. Um, however, on the other hand, we can certainly see some trends that, that may change market dynamics in a different way. Um, so another example would be that there's this trend towards increased on-farm storage by farmers of, of harvested grain. And I think if you took that trend and you, you add the potential for independent real-time monitoring that like our platform provides, that opens up a, a potential to transact on that grain at the farm level um, based on the visibility of that data or even finance that grain at the farm level. And that certainly would change the supply side dynamic of that market. Uh, I think farmers uh, could have access to working capital, for example, and, and, and that could enable them to time their market and maybe smooth supply um, you know, to the market over the year. The, the, I guess the impact on pricing volatility would remain an open question, but you can imagine timing to market is obviously going to have some pricing implications. So I think that kind of thing could have an impact and, and could have maybe some sort of smoothing effect. Um, so I think if you look at platforms like ours, but it would have to be in partnership with banks and financiers, you know, we could possibly help commodity players gain access to working capital in a more efficient and, and cost-effective way. Um, and that's going to help the overall effective functioning of the market, I, I, I believe as well. And there's a huge number of, of SMEs in the commodities market that don't really have access to the capital required to best manage their business. And that really also includes their ability to time their trades or their entry to market, again, having an impact on pricing. So I think those kinds of um, innovations or, or changes that, you know, access to capital at the farm level, for example, could change the supply side dynamic. I, I think that potentially could have um, some sort of impact on pricing and particularly around, you know, seasonal crops and things like that. Actually, um, it's really good, Sean. I was just thinking of something else as you're talking about that. Um, the use of real-time data can be used to reduce risk, right? And if you consider, say, agriculture as an example, if you have real-time information about the health of your crops, you have the ability to deal with and manage that better and maybe get better outputs. So if you think about some of the reasons of volatility is unstable production. And so if you can smooth out that production by using the data to actually optimize that production, you actually can get more stable outputs. 
And ultimately, all these are control systems. You're trying to generate a certain amount of output and you're trying to optimize that. And so when you think about any kind of production environment like, like farming, um, the real-time data actually can be used to predict and optimize your production. In the same way, that real-time data can be used by logistics operators to alleviate bottlenecks in shipping, for example. If you know exactly where things are and if you know exactly what's in the inventories and you know how many trucks are bringing product to the docks, you know, all this allows you to do better capacity planning and real-time management of these things. So in theory, all the data can be used to optimize a lot of the kind of instabilities that we see today, you know, where you're using relatively arcane paper-based systems to transact information with delays. And so that leads to inefficiencies in supply chains, inefficiencies in production. And so I do think that data can actually help with some of those kinds of problems as well. That's, as Sean said, that's only one source of volatility, unstable production and supply. But certainly today, we are experiencing a lot of that right now. So that data sounds like it's really enabling for your customers and to the end users. And I wanted to talk a bit actually about um, carbon emissions, which is obviously, you know, is going to be one of the most significant challenges for organizations in coming decades. And having the right data is a big part of that solution. Um, so David, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about the technology, Veridux technology and how that's helping with this. And how did you discover that it could actually serve that purpose? Yeah, sure. Look, I, I think, Laura, to be honest, when we started our business 17 years ago in hydrocarbon management, our sole intent was to help our producers and logistics companies manage their fuel inputs. And you know we've been successful in that, and we have we have good global deployments today. But as a somewhat happy accident, we ended up realizing we are in the unique position that we could provide them visibility of their fuel consumption right down to their fuel consuming asset. And so today we monitor nine billion dollars worth of inputs across all these various industries, and and our customers can use that to identify exactly which asset is consuming exactly how much, which means they have line of sight of the emissions. So, you know, a lot of our customers have now publicly stated their net zero targets for emissions reductions. And as they start to operationalize this and start to think, well, where are the emissions actually coming from? And um, they'll all have developed roadmaps for optimization, say, of their fleet to move towards electric or hydrogen vehicles. But those are long roadmaps and en route, there are other things that can be done. So the things they are right now trying to do is experiment with, say, alternative em em lower emitting inputs, for example, biodiesels, or um, optimizing their fleet, you know, where you've got large consuming assets, try and get more efficient fuel consuming assets. And so in all these kind of scenarios where they're trying to hit the interim targets, our system actually very happily is able to provide them this visibility. So uh, our customers are able to use our system now to provide year on year reports showing how they're reducing emissions as they head towards ultimately the replacement and el elimination of the hydrocarbon based inputs. Um, so that's one really uh, happy accident that's happened, but in the process, we've been really pleased to be able to provide that value. But you know, some of the other things we've seen from some of our more innovative customers, and um, you know, these are really market-driven activities. For example, we've had some customers who are interested in producing um, carbon-neutral crude. And so in that scenario, what they need to be able to do is to understand the carbon intensity associated with the product that they're selling and be able to offset that. To do that, they need a, some kind of accurate measurement of the intensity, and secondly, a source of credits. So, you know, we've done a, you know, an example with Macquarie, for example, where um, we would work with a customer to allow them to offset these emissions, and our data can be used to provide that real-time visibility of exactly what was sold and therefore needs to be offset. But then, to make it even more accurate, because it's ultimately about accuracy, um, you need to work out, well, what is the intensity of that product? 
And we are working with Salt S&P Platts to integrate their carbon indices into our product. And what that will allow us to do is say, well, based on the location of where the wellhead of that crude was uh, and the logistics chain that it took to get the product to the site, well, that's exactly what you need to offset. And so it's a much more accurate number. And so what this means is today, everyone, nobody wants to be in a position where they are under offsetting. So they tend to put a bit of a margin on top. You can reduce that margin and get much more accurate results and actually more accurately um, offset. So these are some examples where I think in collaboration with customers, we've found some interesting ways that we can add some value. You know, I think I think the world understands that the reduction of emissions is more critical than ever. And you know, I think we're really excited to be able to contribute to that. It's amazing how you've identified the way that the product can step into that area. And I wanted to ask you, David, as global governments and the private sector commit to these ESG goals, we'll experience a shift in demand for future-facing commodities. So I was interested to talk a little bit about how Veradapt is placed to help drive a more secure and sustainable future generally in the commodities market. Look, um, there's quite a few things we can do. Now, obviously, one thing in commodities, you know, as we move to, say, hydrogen management, you know, our system will obviously allow any operating site to manage their hydrogen fleets and the refueling and the supply and the procurement of hydrogen vehicles. You know, that's something our system is capable for. So we are probably be, we're probably ready ahead of the market. But as the market starts to adopt that, you know, we have that capability right now. So that's great. But I think, um, you know, we talked about carbon and emissions offsetting and, you know, ESG, that really covers off a lot of the E and it covers some of the G, as Sean said before. Um, that governance around making sure that there's accuracy and validity of your reported performance against your company emission reduction targets, that, that's important. Our system has a part to play there. But I think the S of ESG is also an interesting element, and it's something that we've become aware and you know starting to absorb for ourselves as well. Uh, if you look at the trade finance gap, that's been well reported. You know, I think depending on who you talk to, it was quoted at 1.7 trillion in 2020 by the ADB. It's probably more today, depending on where you look. And if you consider the macroeconomic events that have been occurring recently, coupled with the unprecedented amounts of fraud and misappropriation, you are seeing financiers facing significantly more risk. And what that means is we've seen a large number of commodity banks stepping back or outright walking away from commodity financing. Now, we have seen some non-banks filling in some of that gap. A lot of traders are also stepping up in this space. Um, but it's undisputed that there is a gap. And so, you know, I think every other day you'll see articles about MSMEs and SMEs finding it hard to obtain liquidity that they need to run their operations. And if you think about what that means, okay, that means that ultimately, um, say if you look at farms as an example again, they are unable to source the liquidity they need to cover the inputs that they need, such as water or seeds or fertilizer. And so that affects production. And so once again, you're talking about businesses, MSMEs, SMEs that are not running optimally or not running well at all. And that ultimately affects economies, it affects livelihood of staff and people. So think of some of the impacts of that. The lack of access to liquidity means that you've got food security problems, you've got unstable production, you have food security challenges that can lead to all kinds of terrible consequences, especially if you consider what happens in North Africa when you have famines. And then go beyond that, look at economic development. Um, more sustainable businesses means more jobs, more revenue for government through taxes. All this results in better health, education, social outcomes for companies. So liquidity you know, is really, really important for businesses. And I think we all understand that. Where, where I think we have a role to play is there is this risk that we talked about that banks and finances are facing around providing this liquidity in risky areas, jurisdictions, counterparties. The provision of real-time data to the banks and the insurance companies can help alleviate some of that concern. 
and should be able to unlock liquidity. And we are seeing the interest from several of our customers we talk to now who are interested in using our technology to explore growth of their um, lending back into areas, jurisdictions, where they were previously struggled to do so. So that is interesting and exciting, and ultimately it's a part of fixing a greater social problem. But it's really amazing to be involved in that. And really interesting in the type of markets that we're in now. Um, so, Sean, I'm going to give you the stargazing future-looking question um, now. And looking to the future, um, what do you see as the most exciting upcoming areas of usage for the Internet of Things type and fintech technologies? Are you seeing the digitization of commodities in any other ways? Uh, yeah, look, as I said you know, earlier, it's a very target-rich environment for technology and digitization in commodities. There is a lot of opportunity. Um, and there's already a large amount of activity in the space. You know, there's many companies in this space uh, solving different problems. You've got technology improving remote worker safety. You've got automation and robotics. Um, you have new digitized trade platforms and document digitization, um, you know, efforts really underway and, and becoming more and more mature. Um, you've got some of the AI tools that Dave spoke about earlier, you know, the tools performing analytics on these new emerging data sets that, that is now being collected, you know, across from, from commodity producers or logistics companies. Um, so there's lots of different efforts, uh, you know, out there that are really, you know, tackling different problems in different ways. And, and I guess part of my excitement comes from the fact that there's still so much to do and there's still a big impact that can be made, you know, by companies like ours, but also many others. Uh, and also the companies that operate within those industries, you know, um, innovating and, and looking at the way they do business. Um, and and so so while looking at the future, you can also sort of see at the moment there's very uh, there's very many instances where really the basic use cases are not yet fully resolved. So where is my inventory? How much do I have? Is it the quality that I expect? You know, these questions are actually remarkably hard to answer in in some instances still. And not being able to answer those questions obviously has ramifications for you know the operation, but logistics and supply chains themselves, um, the supply chain security for different companies is very important. Um, and as we've been discussing as well, uh, not being able to answer those questions is a is a major impediment to trade finance. And so there's a thing we talk a lot about at Veridapt, which is bridging this this physical to digital. So I think just delivering on those basic needs will deliver a lot of value. Um, and I, I think we've touched upon a few of those ways in, in this discussion today. Um, but you also asked about sort of that upcoming opportunity. And I think there's a huge amount of further value that can be unlocked once you've got timely, transparent and, and trusted data sources more widely available. Uh, and it is a little bit about scale. And the decreasing cost of new technologies for sensing and measuring, um, I think will enable many commodities to be measured, tracked and, and also controlled, importantly controlled, in ways that was never before possible. And, and the rate of technology development in sort of that low cost sensor, low power sensor space is, is pretty incredible. And so that's an area I think that is um, really going to be further enabling um, some of the things we've talked about today. Um, and, and on that, I think there'll absolutely be new business models and indeed businesses themselves built on the digitization of commodities. Um, and, you know, using that data will open up new opportunities that, you know, us as a company haven't yet thought of. Um, and I think that, you know, there'll be new financing options, there'll be new trade platforms, there'll be, you know, new ways for, for market participants to collaborate or interact. And 
in some ways, I think that the technology is almost the easy part. Um, you know, that's that's developing at pace and there's a lot of activity. I think that the real challenge is in seizing this opportunity is changing our organizations, you know, our businesses, our governments to sort of embrace the opportunity um, and to adopt these solutions that are now available, but also those that are emerging and sort of having that that vision to, to really you know, um, take advantage of, of what we have now, but also understand that, you know, these things are, are rapidly uh, being built upon and, and improving. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity there, but we need to make the change. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes down to it, you'd really struggle uh, to argue that there's not a more globally impactful industry than commodities. Um, you know, it's our food, it's our shelter, it's our energy. And so it couldn't be more significant. And so being able to apply sort of technology to improve, you know, the production, the transportation, the storage, but also ultimately the trade of commodities. I think that that in itself is very exciting. So I think that just being part of such an, uh, an important industry and being able to be at that point where really it's still early in many respects in terms of the journey to digitization and, and adoption of technology. Um, I think that's very exciting. I think to end on that point around opportunity and optimism is a great place to finish this conversation. I just want to thank you both so much for joining us. We, uh, we really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So thanks for listening to this episode of Perspectives. You can learn more about Macquarie's Technology Summit and discover our tech-related insights at macquarie.com. Thank you for listening to this Macquarie Group podcast. All episode disclaimers can be found in the show notes.